0: Welcome to A Guest in the House podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mickey Hess, and I'm here with my man, David Shanks.
1: Peace, peace, peace. David Shanks, a.k.a. Traum Dicks. Peace and blessings to all of you out there.
0: And you know, so far it's been just me and Dave. We've been talking a lot about hip-hop and culture and notions of uh, hip-hop as property and who has the right to participate in hip-hop and who gets excluded. Um, and who has the right to critique and who has the right to <laughs> critique? There we go. So so today we thought, you know what? It, it's been two middle-aged guys this whole time. Am I is, is that me now? Am I a middle-aged guy? I'm gonna self-identify, but I guess I just self-identified you. Jeez. Okay. So we I'll wanted to <laughs> we wanted to invite in a special guest today. And we have with us Jana Jefferson, who is what a up? jerk. Hey <laughs> Jana! <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thank you. (laughs) So Jaina is a journalist and creative who grew up in New Jersey, is now living and working in Brooklyn. Yeah. And she has been everywhere. Her works been featured on Billboard, BBC Music, MTV News, Vibe, Paper, BET, Red Bull, OK Player, XXL, Playboy. And about everywhere else, and I'm really <laughs> glad, really glad to welcome Jana today because years ago, a few years back, she actually took one of my classes at Ryder University where she's a graduate. So, welcome, Jana.
2: Thank you for having me, Professor. Has <laughs> I will not Professor call you, Ricky. Hess. hey,
0: fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> And I got your name right, Jaina. I remember we had to discuss that a few times way back yes. in class. because Jana. There was another student named Janae around that same time. I remember her. Yeah, she was a good kid. <laughs> she was. Yeah, I'm sure you guys got your name is mispronounced back and forth, like all those four years. All
2: though. the time. And I think she was in a couple of my other classes, too. So it was like a constant, constant oh, thing. That had
0: to <laughs> drive you crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's Jaina Jefferson. And we're really glad to have you today. Dave had mentioned that um, he had a few ideas. He wanted to talk about hip hop and gender and what it means to be a woman who listens to hip hop, who participates well, I'm, as a journalist.
1: I'm really, ex- I'm really excited because this particular um, topic that I wanted, you know, wanted us to discuss, I hit you maybe, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. And I said something to the effect of, um, is black, straight male patriarchy in hip hop or hip hop as that structure based on black male patriarchy? um, Is that day of reckoning coming for that model of the culture? And I said, uh, we need to have this discussion, but I don't know, you know, or Mickey said, I don't know if we're the two guys. I said, we probably need to bring a woman into this discussion he said you know what i have a former student (laughs) and so he sent me um i think a link maybe to your twitter and then when i you know checked out the background and seen some of the articles you are the perfect person to have this conversation with um for a few reasons one because you're in not only the gender that we need for this conversation, but I think you're in the age range that we need to have this conversation. So you're the perfect combination, I think, of a millennial female,
0: Thank and you. Um,
1: yeah, and, and, and you know, well accomplished, and I think well um, versed. To have this conversation, so I'm excited to um to get into it. I'm just well I, I, well, I guess we should start with just you giving us a little bit of your background and you know why um I think you're worthy of such high accolade and praise.
2: Well, um, thank you for the, the introduction. Every time I get any on a, honestly any compliments, I'm like uh, I'd never know how to <laughs> how to take it, but thank you for the kind words. Um. I've been listening to hip-hop before I even realized that I was listening to hip-hop. My dad was a DJ, so I kind of grew up listening to basically everything, a lot of Motown, a lot of R&B, funk, Um, and then I have an older brother who's on the spectrum, and I don't know if you've ever, you know, come in close contact with someone on the spectrum, but they usually find a stimuli that they can go to or they favor that usually helps them communicate better since, you know, socially they're just not there. And my right. brother's was hip hop. So I was listening to Nas and Jay Z and DMX before I even realized I was listening to Nas, Jay Z, and DMX. Um, so that's kind of where it began for me. And then uh, I grew up on the Jersey Shore. So it was predominantly white. Um, so I grew up listening to not only just. Hip hop, R and B, funk, but also a lot of pop, also a lot of punk rock, and all sorts of different things. So, I I just have a, I just love music, man. It's just it's just something that's always been a part of me. And then I I fancy myself a word nerd and a big old research nerd. So, just learning about different music and different power structures has always been really interesting to me, especially as a budding you know, intersectional feminist as well. So there's just a lot of layers and a lot of, you know, multifacetism that, that you'll get with me. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to be here and just talk. Talk about oh. all the stuff that I love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So um I don't know. Um, Professor Hess. Oh, uh, Professor <laughs> Hess. If we were in class, I guess you would you would set this up as as <laughs> Some type of um, question for us to theorize or ponder over, and then we we can take a deep dive. Into- you know, we could.
0: I think you know, and, <laughs> and Jana set us right up. Yeah. Um, use the term intersectional feminist. Now, I know a lot of my students don't realize that the concept of intersectionality actually came about in response to hip hop. That you know, Kimberly oh. Williams Crenshaw developed this theory of what it means to be. Or what intersectionality means to be a black woman um, in response to her listening to the two live crew and watching all the censorship and court cases that they were fighting against and her desire to root for them as young black men standing up for their right to say whatever they wanted to say. But at the same time, listening to those old two live crew lyrics and thinking, wow, you know,
2: they don't, make me,
0: they don't make <laughs> me feel really good as a black woman.
2: Mm-mm, definitely not. Um- And it's really interesting because in the beginning, like I remember, I think it was Lisa Lee. She -hmm. was part of the um, Africa Bombada's Soul Sonic Force. Mm -hmm. She was like the only member of that. So hip hop at the beginning and at its core was super intersectional. So it's kind of, you know, a little bit disheartening to see that, although, you know, we were a part of it and we were, you know, Mm -hmm. part of the foundation to have, you know, the lyrics and The raunchiness and the misogyny still run rampant. So, you know, from the beginning into where it is today, like, oh, my goodness, some of the hip hop today, I still I'm like, whoa, this this why is this able to fly? Because of
0: two live crew, because they (laughs) fought all the way in the Supreme Court.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting, because I think at first it definitely was intersectional. And, you know, as we're talking about power structures, I think. Having something that was originally so male-dominated, having women come into it and excel and be on their turf, uh, I think sometimes it can rub some men the wrong way. And, you know, a lot of a lot of Black men don't always like to, um, you know, feel inferior when it comes to certain things. So I think that's also part of it.
1: That's interesting. I wanted to... Mickey, you made the point of um, you know those lyrics becoming kind of uh, or or the lack of censorship on them based on mm-hmm. the you know the Supreme Court decision from the Two Live Crew case or the Luther Campbell case and um, the whole uh, parental advisory stickers and all of that. I guess from a question from a um, cultural standpoint though, I wanted to um, kind of get into. Because at the same time where these lyrics are you know being kind of uh you know sanctioned and just kind of like, "Oh, it's okay, you know what I mean the freedom of speech they're allowed to say what they want to say, I guess from a content standpoint, there's also a shift at some point to a saturation of that content, whereas like Jaina mentioned in the beginning, it was inclusive mm-hmm. and Um, You know, where they had um, minor, you had your misogynistic lyrics. It was, you know, mostly teenage and early 20s males. So you're going to have some level of misogynist. But sort of the um, gratuitous and like grotesque, like women, like bashing, right, that comes about, say, maybe in the mid 90s to early 90s. N.W.A.'s last album correct and then snoop and Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so on and so forth right and then it's becoming kind of just mainstream like is that more i think that's less of a byproduct of say a court decision than um a marketization of kind of um objectification of women you saw it in the nfl you saw Mm -hmm. it you know what i mean like (laughs) across the board like in popular culture the bikini lad women selling beer, selling anything became kind of like our culture from a grand, from a, from a, you know, from an all kind of total kind of aspect, right? So how does that shape, you know, us, say the marginalized or the urban centered folks who are creating this music in this culture, how does the larger societal kind of white male patriarchy bleed into hip
2: hop? Hmm. That is a very good question. Is this for me or Dr. Ha- or that's professor? for the floor. That's for the, <laughs> oh, that's my for goodness the floor. That's for the floor. You know,
0: I was waiting for Jana to jump in on that
2: one. <laughs> oh man. I was hoping you were going to jump oh, in
0: This <laughs> is our first three way call on this podcast. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit. I definitely it. want to hear from Jane on this one because okay. she's going to have a, a different perspective, I think. Um, and Mickey has a good way of
1: breaking my um, <laughs> large, overarching, uh, you know, questions into <laughs> smaller bites that are digestible. Yeah. So give that's it a crack, Mickey.
2: That's <laughs> definitely a good question. But I think that, in in light of that, yeah. seeing you know the um, the sexualization. I think that's also why there are so many women in hip-hop who are who are, you know, rapping, but also, you know, having that more oversexualized aesthetic, because I guess that's a way for the power structures to stay in place. Mm-hmm. And I think that when women are rapping but are not oversexualizing themselves, men see that more as a threat. And I think if they see them a little bit more scantily clad, they're like, oh, you know, she's just, you know, she's just doing this. She's just showing off her body. She doesn't have any actual skill, which we know is not the truth, because you know, Lil Kim can spit, Foxy Brown can spit, Nicki Minaj can spit, Mega the Stallion can spit. So I think that that was an initial thought on how the power structures could potentially stay in place, but now we're seeing that that's, you know, those are really old per, like parameters and. that's not that's not really how it works
0: Um, i think you're right that 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 aesthetic developed over time in hip-hop because you mentioned lisa lee is an early example Mm -hmm. you know if you look at her small moments of appearance in the film wild style which pretty much 1982 brought hip-hop to the big screen first time a lot of people around the world saw an image of hip-hop on film um you know lisa lee is dressed in like a, a slacks and a sweater you know she's uh, and you look at Shy Rock and Old Shy Rock, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Shy funky,
1: funky four plus one.
0: There's nothing uh, overtly sexualized about their uh, stage performance.
1: You don't get anywhere near to sexuality on
0: display until like Salt and Pepper. Push it, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's before Jane's time. That's yeah. 1986,
2: yeah. I believe. 1986. Yeah, yeah. I my parents didn't right. meet yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is it is burned into my adolescent brain those body parts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the first moments I think for me watching you on TV. And Rats that was empowered. But
1: that was empowered sexuality. Like I didn't feel like that was forced at all. It didn't come across forced. Salt and pepper came across very much in control. You know what I mean? As kind of the predecessors. To say the little Kims mm-hmm. of the world, you know, and, and even more so, I would say for Salt and Pepper than Little Kim, because although, you know, Herbie Lovebug and all that we knew was behind Salt and Pepper as a entity, they were kind of three empowered females. Whereas, like, you knew Little Kim was in Junior Mafia, right? Mm-hmm. You know you knew who ran Junior Mafia? Like, so it was a different. It's different, but yeah, i I'm before, prior to that, no. The, the women in hip hop, Miss Melody, you know, uh, they, they were all fully clothed. And <laughs> you know, it was not about any type of sexual agenda at all. It was really about lyrics.
0: And, you know, we all know that sex sells, obviously. but Yeah. You know, I think Jaina makes a good point talking about this sexualized image that sort of developed as hip hop became uh, more and
1: more Correct. part
0: of a mainstream, more profitable. Correct. And I think a lot of us have, like, a knee-jerk reaction when we see women really confident in their sexuality and Mm -hmm. showing their bodies entertainment. We become kind of paternalistic and think, like, oh, they're being exploited. Mm. And that's certainly not always the case. I mean, Jaina, would you say there's some power in some of these images?
2: I definitely think so because I feel like, you know, at first, um, you know, a lot of these women – did come up from a co-sign and it's like, maybe they wanted, like whoever, you know, was co-signing them, wanted them to dress a little bit more sex, a little bit sexier Mm -hmm. to help, you know, the image of their crew or image of their collective. But then after a while they did take, you know, the sexualization of their, their lyrics or their aesthetic and just made it powerful. It's like, I might be dressing sexy and you might see me as a, clearly as I'm a woman. I mean, I've got boobs and I've got this and I've got that. But what you're going to get is on par, if not above par than what you're expecting and what you see with the men. Like I can show you exactly what I can do and I can do it in a pair of heels. And I think that Mm. that's really, really, really powerful to see. And, you know, there's still a lot of women who are doing it today. So I think that it's there's power in being sexy.
1: So that's like, the I guess, like the boss B archetype.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, which is yeah, which is which I think more prevalent today than ever. Like this is probably the era of the, the boss female rapper, theme. I would say for yeah. sure, for sure, for sure. And in, in hip hop culture, really, period. When you look at Karen Civil, when you look at like Mona Scott Young, when you look at like, it's a lot of women driving these, mm-hmm. you know, m- movements. Um, I guess my question is broadening that conversation from women. And because I guess I'm seeing a parallel between some of the the fights that are being taken on in the larger society and then hip hop as a subculture. And I I, I think that that's in correlation to hip hop's kind of um, merging into the larger culture and really in some ways driving mainstream culture Mm -hmm. so talk about kind of hip-hop having to address like the lgbtq i don't know for lack of a better word uh issue within the culture
2: Hmm. that's a good one
1: because i also think that's a very um me and mickey just wanted some insight from like uh, like i said like that millennial because that is very much like a millennial yeah you you know what i mean Mm -hmm.
2: well it's definitely i think actually i was just watching uh snoop dogg he was on an episode of jada pinkett smith's red table talk where he did discuss and he was talking about uh his comments towards gail king and how he called her the b-word and he said that, you know, I, I, I'm a man of God, you know, I have kids, I have grandkids, but when you're in, you're so ingrained, it's so ingrained in you to say certain things about women and homosexuals because of the culture that you came up in, it's hard to get out of that. So while we're, st- they might, you know, they might be changed on the outside, Um, And they're actively, you know, might be trying to, you know, make a change, but it's just, it's so ingrained in them that it's kind of hard to be accepting of the differences that are going on in the world right now. Um, I know Boosie got a lot of flack uh, in the last couple of weeks because he was making comments about Dwayne Wade's uh, trans daughter, who she just came out of as trans. And it's like. We understand that, you know, not 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 everyone is on board with that decision, even though it doesn't affect them. So I don't understand why he's so upset, but it's, there's, I'm, I, I feel like I'm relieved to see so many people are like, yo, you can't, you can't say that. Like, that's not, that's not your place to say anything. And it's wrong mm-hmm. that you would say it. And I did see a lot of female rappers come forward and were like, yo, like, You can't do that. And I think that it's really important to have so many, you know, different types of people coming up in the game who are, you know, speaking up about things that are, you know, they just don't fly anymore. We can't, you can't really, I mean, feel however you want to feel about people and their, their gender identities or this or that. But I'm glad that there are women now who are feeling empowered enough to speak up and speak out amongst, you know, the men who are like, this is wrong, but the women are like, no, you keep that to yourself. Like, that's not cool to say. And I think that when we have more people who are willing to speak up against, you know, a lot of the issues that are going on in hip hop and in our society as a whole, I think it's gonna really kind of shift shift everything. I mean, the power brokers no longer have the say. And I think that it's really important to see so many people speaking out against that kind of stuff so
0: yeah against I that, basically hate speech yeah. right
2: yeah it it certainly is <laughs> <laughs> um so it's really important to see so many i think it's it's good that we have so many women who are now feeling empowered to speak up about so many of the issues that have persisted for, in hip hop for so long so kudos to the girls absolutely so
1: i'm going to take the unpopular position right and play okay a little bit of devil's advocate, because you said, Mickey, what is essentially hate speech. And while I agree that some of it is hate speech, I think, and, I, you know, I guess as the um, <laughs> black male hip hopper on the, <laughs> in the conversation, right, I'll, I'll I'll put myself out there. Some of it is more so, because, okay, there are certain things that me, as a 42-year-old man from Brooklyn, New York, um, from Caribbean heritage, who grew up in the 90s, um, there's certain things that were normal to me mm-hmm. that I have to um, reconcile with no longer being normal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe I'm more well-adjusted than the the average guy, you know what I mean? So. I can deal with that, I can make that adjustment, I've made that adjustment. But some of my counterparts, some of my um, fellow hip hoppers, guys that I collab with, they they haven't easily or readily or willingly made that transition to kind of accepting that there are new norms in society and in hip hop. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's dangerous sometimes when we and that's kind of you know eluding into a conversation of cancel culture and things of that nature, when we say, Well, your comments or your response or your questions even are from a space of hatred. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it may really just be a
0: question. So for me, if you're attacking someone's child, that's well, and
1: I'm not and I'm not and Well, yes, and I'm not being, I don't want to be specific to Boosie because I'm not, I'm not defending Boosie by no means. I don't know that man and (laughs) I don't need to defend him. Um, But there are people who would defend Boosie only because of the current or the undercurrent of sort of dismissal of anything that asks a question or needs clarification about some of these topics. You you, you understand what I'm saying? So a
0: a lot of what we talk about on the podcast here has to do with who owns this house of hip hop. You know, we brought this metaphor that came from Lord Jamar. And of course the origins of that was a conversation where he was talking about Macklemore and his song, same love and saying that he didn't Lord Jamar didn't feel like this was welcome in the house of hip hop. Mm Um, So You know, this is a metaphor we've sort of drawn out and tried to talk about in terms of property, real estate, border patrolling, exclusion. You know, who's allowed to participate in hip hop? Who's allowed to critique it? Who owns it? Who controls it? And I think there's a lot of divides there. You know, we're talking now about something of a generational divide. You know, and I think we do see some rappers and some folks involved with hip-hop whether it's critics or even just listeners sort of growing up with the culture Mm -hmm. um in a way that they're they're more welcoming more open to expanding and hearing different voices and then of course there's always that impulse to protect the culture you know to to keep it what it was to keep Mm -hmm. it um a part of the communities that it came from and sometimes that can be an exclusive act in itself.
1: Correct.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Correct. And then, and we're all kind of doing that dance and compromising what should remain pure and mm-hmm. what needs to change with the times. Yeah. You know, and everyone, everyone's kind of somewhere in that continuum, right? Like <laughs> there's like the conservatives, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then there's sure. like the liberals, like what are you guys talking about? It's all love hip-hop it's not a big deal you know what i mean and and it's like what do you mean this is our salvation like it has to be about this that that and this and that's it it can't be about anything else and i guess what i'm what i don't like on either side is the dismissal of a point of view you know Mm -hmm. because we're not gonna actually like we're gonna have to figure this out and i don't think that we're going to figure it out if I dismiss what you're saying. And if you dismiss what I'm saying, I'm not saying literally me and you, but the, the two sides of whatever argument To say the, the Snoop dogs and the old and the TIs and all these guys who are getting themselves in trouble for just being over 40. Mm-hmm. Cause that's really their main, like, that's really the, the issue. You're over 40 and you're a man and you think this way. And that way of thinking is no longer our norm.
2: and it is kind of hard to get them out Mm. of that mindset like sometimes my dad he's 62 from Brooklyn born and bred and some of the stuff that he says I'm like dad you can't you can't say that anymore Mm. he's like well I've been like this for 62 years I'm like I understand that but like keep that in your house like you can't say those things out loud so I totally understand Mm.
1: and the difference the difference there right being that your dad's not gonna go live on ig because he's not he's not trying to sell records at 45 years old he also doesn't understand how to use
2: (laughs) and, 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 and and i think
1: that's you know this is a lot of this is locker room talk so to speak right a lot of this is things that normally would be kept between people however ignorant it is between people who think that way but now that our um methods for of communication have changed we're bringing locker room talk on platforms of you know 100 billion 100 million mm-hmm. people and it's not it's just not going yeah. to be appropriate yeah and and so i think um but we're seeing that in a larger society as
2: well yeah definitely um i think that Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's so weird because, you know, social media is kind of my thing, like my generation, millennials, Gen Z. So it's like, oh, you like older people want to come in and like, you know, try their hand at it. And it's like, okay, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're learning something new, which is cool. You're trying to adapt to the times when it comes to accessibility but then when it comes to your thinking, you're still like, oh, no, I'm going to just keep being my myself and not adapt in that way, which is it's very interesting. Mm, that is interesting.
1: <laughs> that is interesting. What do you think, um, like, seeing, like I said, this being kind of like the year of, like, the female MC or the FEMC, and you're starting to see, like, different ranges now, which is a beautiful thing, right? You're getting back to seeing, like, the Vixen, and then you're seeing, like the rapidity rapper and you see like the kind of quirky you know to be like you're getting all of these different colors of um female artists what do you see as kind of like the next uh progression of that in the industry or in the culture
2: just interesting um i i feel like it's all we've always been here but i think the advent of streaming has definitely helped bring the visibility up like just imagine if you know um let me think of an artist that could have really benefited from this. I feel like if MC Light was around during the streaming era, things would have been a lot different for her. Mm. Yo-yo, especially. Oh my Ooh, god, yeah. yo-yo could rap. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm really That's glad true. that, you know, where people are kind of using their own their own brains and they're like, oh, you know, I'm not really into, you know, the vixen. I don't want, you know, mainstream to dictate what I'm gonna listen to. I'm gonna go on streaming and actually find someone who's for me. And I know that you know, there's so there are so many female rappers out there. So I'm glad that there's someone for everyone. Where we go from here, I really hope that that we're able to give everyone shine. I feel like we're everyone's a lot more popular nowadays than they would have been back before streaming had existed. But I think that the mainstream is still really clutching on to. The popular girls who are you know prettier and this and that not even prettier because i feel like all women are beautiful but um the ones who have a more sexualized aesthetic well,
1: it's yeah. still a it's still a male
2: it's still yeah that's <laughs> definitely
1: from an executive standpoint yeah so it's so a they're always gonna
2: like push those forward yeah. yeah yeah and like as much as i think that rhapsody is such a good rapper i'm not sure if everyone you know wants to they rather get like, they'd rather twerk in the club. I don't think they want to always think. So when it's like a female rapper who's really, you know, telling you, you know, what life is like, I don't think everyone really wants that, which is surprising because there are a lot of conscious MCs who are male who get pushed to the forefront. So it's really, it's kind of disheartening that a a woman who is talking about some of the same things cannot do the same in terms of popularity. So that kind of, that kind of kind of blows but um yeah it's... i definitely think that uh, we got to move past this let's just let the hot girls go first sort
0: of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so who are the women you're listening to right now who should we listen to
2: i love LaKaylee 47 mm-hmm. she is uh she reminds me a lot of missy elliott and missy elliott is one of my all-time favorites so she
1: wears the mask correct?
2: Right? he does yes um, I, like, I like her Small flex. I, <laughs> I interviewed her not too long ago nice. and she eats with that mask on. So <laughs> I'm like,
0: she's Ooh. like, the only
2: time I never take took it this off, off is when I am at the airport, obviously, because mm. mm-hmm. wouldn't that be something? But um, I really like how she uses her platform to uplift women. She's always talking about, you know, um, female empowerment in her songs, which I think is something that we really need today. Who else do I really like? I really, hmm, I think she needs to keep working with Kenny Beats because I know she can keep bringing out the bangers, but I, l- I love Rico now. Oh,
0: that's too. such a good album.
2: The, uh, anger Management was yeah. so good. Yeah, that's, that's
0: Her nice. album with Kenny Beats. That's Nikki's album.
2: That's oh, it. Okay. top to bottom. <laughs> so, so good. Um, I really like uh, Sampa the Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my significant other kept telling me like, listen to this, listen to this. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I did. And it was, I really enjoy her. Um, yeah, I like, I like all the girls, honestly. Um, I wish Megan's last out of the new one, uh, sugar. I, I wish Mm -hmm. that was a little bit better. I think it felt kind of rushed, but I feel like she was just in a hurry to get it out because of, you know, all the stuff that she was dealing with, with, uh, 1501. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it could have been a lot stronger. How about you guys?
0: I've been listening to Little Sims a lot. Oh, she's so good. I like like Little Sims. Lady Leisure. She's good, too. UKMC as well. Mm -hmm. I really like a lot of the grime stuff and grime influence stuff coming out over there.
2: They got a good handle on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Nikki knows
1: I I actually listen
0: to R&B, so um, (laughs) I
1: listen to Alex Isley and Snow Allegra and Her.
2: Love Snow Allegra. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Her album was so good. I love Snow Legra. I love and Ari, Snow Leagra. And
1: Ari Lennox. So, yeah.
2: he's so fun. <laughs> and we've mentioned little...
0: Mariba before. We're both
2: Mariba's really yes, good. We do, really like,
1: good. Mariba. We do yeah. like Mariba.
0: I got to see her open for Jid in Philly a few months ago. Really good show.
2: Yeah, she's really talented. Yeah, she
0: nice went from that. playing acoustic guitar to you know a couple of you know rhymed a couple of verses, had a couple of tracks that were just straight hip hop, and then back into crooning and R&B. She was kind of doing it all.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to offer. I think the women really have a good handle on you know telling a story, making mm-hmm. a really pop, like a really nice, outgoing feeling song. Like I feel like the girls really have a good handle on what's going on today um and they offer something different and i think that it's important to highlight that women can be you know super you know multi faceted it's interesting that you can have 55 little whatever's yeah or 97 babies but it's like when you have like a young ma it's like oh, what's going on i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right it's okay.
1: now you um you wrote an article for bbc on um the female exclusion from these um greatest or you know top 100 top 50 rapper lists yes and 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 also um you know make a reference to some of the song lists that exclude female artists as well i guess I i'll ask weigh in on give me like five kind of all time female um mcs Oh, uh, tracks yeah
0: yeah put you oh, on the spot huh now
1: i'm sweating Ooh. um do I, <laughs> from five oh, to me. one <laughs> me. no 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 in no in no particular order just give me five Spy. you would place into that hmm. um either five artists or five songs you would place into one of those rolling stone you know critic lists
2: okay queen latifah has to be on there
0: uh,
2: and agreed. the song for her Honestly, it wouldn't be you and I, T-Y. I think it would be Ladies First because yeah. it was Moni Love's yeah. got
0: a verse on it. That's that. what
2: I was just about to say. I'm like, cause Moni Love deserves the <laughs> world. And she's so good on that. Oh my oh, God. Yeah.
0: She Moni was a Love. highlight.
1: Yeah. Shouts to Moni.
2: M-O-N-I- Oh my God, so good. Um, who else? Lauren Hill, because she could do it all. And it's funny cause a lot of people are like, don't put Lauren on these best of lists. I'm like, well, Lauren kept up with the boys on the Fugees. And then she went and did her own thing and did it amazingly. And to have a dark skinned woman doing that on top of that is like, that? Uh, was unheard of. Cause she had this beautiful chocolate skin. And like, you know, there's always been colorism in the industry. So to see her doing it so flawlessly, not only could she rap, but she could write and she could sing and oh, she's special. Yes. So that she's there. And I think the song for her, honestly, I think she outwrapped them on Ready or Not. So probably that. <laughs>
1: there you go.
2: Um, hmm, Missy has to be there because I, I, that wouldn't be right for me to not put her on there. She can write for anyone. She can, she has creativity out the wazoo. She's been doing this all these years and she's still inspiring so many women today i can't believe it took them that long to give her that damn mtv award <laughs> Isn't she that crazy? That when it first came out right. how are you gonna give it to jennifer lopez before <laughs> uh, um and the song for her for that Ooh, what's the one with the brat i forget what it's called all of a sudden um I'm too. you got me oh my gosh it's like the beat is in my head too oh my gosh where's my phone <laughs> it's in my head oh i'm so stressed but it's a song that she has with the brat and both of them on it like just with the queen latifah song it just showcases two amazing women not ladies you know, night It wasn't ladies night okay um two amazing women who were really they weren't exactly the visual. Um, what the men always wanted to see. They were both, a bit, sock it to me. Woo! Ooh, there you what go. A, okay, That's what it is. So good, that beat. Um, Yeah, there were two women who, you know, didn't have the aesthetic to catapult them forward, but they just let their talent do the talking for them. And I think that that song highlights both of them really, really well. Uh, who else is on that list? Dang. Uh, although she's going through it now, Nicki Minaj, she mm-hmm. is incredibly special uh she made rappers pop stars in a way and using social media to her best advantage during her her come up i think was incredibly beneficial for how she became the person she is today um like i said she's going through it now i hope that she finds some peace because i think that she gets threatened when other women get the attention that she's always been getting because she was for a long time the only one so yeah.
1: i mean she was for a small moment in time she was drake big she was right there. Was, i love when she <laughs> yeah. first
2: came up i could not get enough of her i used to copy her makeup i used to wear pink all the time i was a <laughs> <obsessed>. <laughs> how
0: old were you at this point was this high school
2: this was i was a sophomore in high school okay mm. so i was like Oh my gosh, uh, I think um, her, her, her debut album came out when I was a senior and I was like, this is the one, she is my girl. Um, and while I I love Kim and I do see there are so many similarities between Nikki and Kim and Foxy, uh, I feel like Nikki leveraged everything so much more than Kim had and so much more than Foxy had. But I also think that she had the- Access. She had the access to that. So yeah. I think that that helped her. In numerous ways.
0: Yeah. And now, as a Jersey native, you didn't mention Rodega. Yeah. I
2: was getting to that. <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: I, I was waiting to Rodéga. But I
2: already, I mean, I said Queen Latifah. You so, did. You know, you did for sure. we got there. You got it. And I feel like I'd be amiss if I didn't say Roxanne Chante.
0: Ooh, true. True. Yeah. true and true. I think that
2: that, I, that would be, a stupid list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like my whole list, I like, just throw in the garbage. She, she went through so much, and I think that without her, honestly, none of these mm-hmm. women would be here. So shout out to her.
1: In many have- ways, in many ways, shout out to Roxanne Shantay for mm-hmm. sure, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure, for sure. So well, who did uh, you
0: best, Dave? Who would be on your list? You want oh, throw anyone yeah. else out there?
1: I was always an MC Light fan. Mm-hmm. Com- coming up, I was, I was. MC Light. Ly- I would put, from an iconic standpoint, I would have to put Salt and Pepper although they're group, but still as one collective, I would put Salt and Pepper on there. Yeah. Yeah, I would she say did. Salt and I would say Salt and Pepper, well, you know we're ta- if we're talking like influence, um, icon status, things of that nature, uh, you know, your Missy Elliott's, mm-hmm. your um, Little Kim's your uh what did we just Queen Latifah and Lauren Hill? And who did you just just say? Jean Gray? Jean Gray would be from an MC standpoint. okay. okay. I think Jean Gray is the best. I think Jean Gray is one of the best rappers ever. Mm-hmm. like, period. Mm-hmm. So I would say Jean Gray is definitely probably, I think, the best female MC ever. So yes. That's a separate list, though, right? <laughs> but Gene Gray, Rod Digg is on that list. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, S- Cy Rock is Oh on, yeah. Is oh, on yeah. that list. Cy Rock. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I
0: would good. throw in Mia X and Lady of Rage.
1: I love them both.
0: Somewhere on a list. I don't know how many people we're up to, but they deserve a little shout out at least.
1: And and, and while we're at it, Bahamadia. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Philly legend.
0: Absolutely. Still out there doing it. Puts out new stuff here and there every couple of years. She's got a new thing out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No love for Iggy Azalea.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs> personally, no. Um, I do I like Azalea Banks into it. Azalea yeah. Banks is good. She just talented. needs some, um, Guidance. she needs some love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some, some guidance is a good one. Yeah, she needs some yeah, guidance.
0: For sure. You know, with Iggy Azalea, I've always felt like it's a particular kind of intersectionality to be a white woman in hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's moving the, the concept a little further away from where uh, Crenshaw initiated it. But yeah, even for me as a white guy who listens to hip-hop, I tend to look at most white women I see on the mic with l- as a little bit suspect, I guess <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I go in not expecting a great much, place. yeah.
2: So,
1: what about uh, Snow to
2: product? Is she? Count? I do like Snow the product. She's is she technically Mexican. I'm not, I, I think, think she is, is. technically <laughs> yeah. Mexican.
1: We had the same argument with Be Real. <laughs> <We
0: did>. so- <laughs> So we've coined this term, technically Mexican. Right? <laughs> yes, Here on, I think she's Mexican. Yeah,
2: right? she's Mexican American. There, there you go. There you go.
0: Wisconsin
1: well, snow the product.
0: We like snow her. the product for sure. I did them. see. I just saw Earth Gang, and they had a, a white woman MC open up for them. Her name is Wynne.
2: Wynne.
0: When? Win. Yeah, and she actually put on a really good show. Okay. Um, it's W Y N N E. I remember, you know, just sitting in the crowd. I kind of looked at, at people standing next to me when she came up. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing looking at people over her, right? You know, just, here I'm a, I'm a 44-year-old white guy at an Earth Gang show. And I'm like, wait a second. There's a white girl on
2: stage? <laughs> she has no business here. <laughs>
0: the
1: irony.
2: <laughs> She's from Oregon. She no.
0: actually put on a really good show.
2: That is cool. I'm about to listen that to her. That is cool. I'm going to yeah. check her out, too. I'm going to check her out, too.
0: Yeah, so, so Jaina, I guess, you know, in I turned the way it down of... down as low as
2: I could. <laughs> yeah,
0: so in the way of sort of wrapping this up and putting a bow on it, growing up to where you are now, what have you seen change over the years about discussions about women in hip-hop? Are we still talking about the same thing, just in circles over and over, or have we advanced?
2: I think we've advanced in a way because we're actually having the conversations. Mm. I think at first, you know, it was just like, oh my God, there's a girl and she's Mm -hmm. rapping. Like when I, who, let me think. I grew up, I turned 13. I don't even want to say it, 2006. (laughs) So that was, Missy was still, you know, pretty popular. Lil' Kim was kind of on her way out. Nicki came in not too long after that. So it was like, it was kind of a one person at a time type deal. And I think that was always like super surprising. Like, oh my God, there's a girl and she's really good at rapping. But now it's like, oh no, there's always been women and they're really good at rapping. And now we're actually paying attention to them because we're having the Mm. conversations about women and equality and this and that. So I think that since we open the conversations a bit more in society, it's a lot easier to have the conversations from a genre standpoint.
0: Mm. I think that's a good way to put it. You know, we don't see each new woman who hits the mainstream framed as the replacement of the woman before her. Mm -hmm. And we had a few lean years, right? Where it was kind of like that. Okay. So she's the new Kim.
1: Oh, it was absolutely that. It was absolutely that. And then it was just Nikki replacing herself for about five years. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been a little more consistent as far as women reaching the mainstream, cracking that mainstream, getting some attention. And then of course there's always good stuff going on in the underground.
1: Yeah well and i think i guess and um Jana, give me your insight on this do you think that social media and i think you kind of said that social media has kind of leveled that playing field and allowed some of these voices um like cardi b and who built her following kind of on ig and then she went to love and hip-hop route but already had kind of built this following prior to getting into music then you see all like the dolls the Mm-hmm. The, that doll yeah. and the that doll, right? They're all yeah. the kind of like, they're kind of like half Instagram model, half rapper. And so it has, what it has done is kind of giving these women platforms without having to rap for a guy to get a deal. You know, back in the days yeah. you had to rap for a rapper who was a man and then he would put you in his crew.
2: And yeah, now it's just like, if you think that you have a gift and you want to leverage it, just... Go to Instagram, go to Twitter, hashtag it, and just hope that someone sees it, kind of deal. Um, But I do, in a way, I still do think that social media has helped for the women who are already, you know, they've been here and not, you know, as mainstream as, you know, a Cardi B or a Nicki Minaj. I think that that's helped them a lot because you know people are still coming to their shows because they they find them on you know these curated playlists and they're doing this and they're doing that. So th- I feel like in that respect um, listeners have the power more so than the gatekeepers do mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty assuring that we're in a a good space people are using their own brains and their own tastes to make decisions.
0: And now you left out the journalists and the critics. What's what's tough about being a woman hip hop journalist in twenty twenty? Oh, oh, I opened a sore spot.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's um, a lot of the times when you're given the chance to talk to certain artists, sometimes they don't take you as seriously, and they don't feel like opening up to you about certain things because they just don't, they don't see you as someone of authority that kind of sucks a little bit. Um, especially I have a very young face. So everyone just thinks that I'm, you know, I'm not actually there to do a job. I'm just there to like meet someone or I'm like someone's daughter or something. So it's <laughs> like, um, uh. they don't open up nearly as much to, um, oh, and it also, there's also a lot of women who get catapulted further in this industry because of their looks as well. Um, they might not be qualified to be journalists or media <laughs> Um, but sure. they're like, oh, they're they're so pretty, so people are gonna f- pay attention to them, and it's like, how about the people who are just really good at what they do? And a lot of the people who are really really good at what they do in this field are women. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like people need to start, you know, dropping that uh, that notion of aesthetics and just focusing on someone's actual talent. So Both who are in- those
0: women journalists we should listen? We should read. Me. Okay, (laughs) GinaJefferson.com.
2: GinaJefferson.com. Uh-huh. Who else is really, really good? Uh, One of my pretty good friends, her name is Natalasia Whaley. She Mm. wrote for Mike for quite a bit before they did a round of layoffs. Um, Now she's a freelancer. Bianca Gracie is a really talented, well-rounded hip-hop, R&B, pop. She can do it all. She writes for Billboard. Um, Very, very talented women. And I think that they need to get a lot more shine.
0: Okay. Say so, shout out to Kemla Storio. Yeah. yeah Taking it OG. back a little bit. OG. Yeah. Hmm. um, Nancy Guevara is someone that I've always used an article from in the hip hop class. And even though this article I use is from 96, it's just kind of a very interesting history of that shift you mentioned from the Lisa Lees, to like the Salt and Pepper on the on the verge of the Lil Kim era, yeah. she just shows how the mass commercialization of hip hop really pushed women to the sidelines and made them more like props or cheerleaders as opposed to center stage right. figures. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Nancy Guevara is a really good one. I think
1: that's awesome, man. I don't know if Jana has any final words. If she's working on anything currently that we need to be. Um, mm-hmm plugging or
2: I have a billboard piece coming up I talk about well they they're doing something called 2000s week at Billboard this week and I wrote a really cool piece about Stan and the parallels that the song draws to the culture that it spawned on the internet. Wow.
0: That Mm. sounds amazing. That's
2: like the piece that I was like, if I don't do this piece in 2020, just cancel the year. So the (laughs) the, year is canceled basically anyway, but like it would be more canceled if I didn't do that piece. So I'm really excited for it to come out. And then I have a piece on MTV coming out soon about Pink's debut album and how she did R&B.
1: Yeah, she did. She was okay. signed to L.A. Reid.
2: Yep, everyone thought she was a light-skinned black woman, and there was a lot of there's a lot to unpack there. So I hope I unpack
1: Oh, that that's ex- <laughs> that's exciting. I was gonna ask you as a as a final question because, well, one, I'm very impressed because of the wide range of journalists. Like you're like a real journalist, and that makes me proud as a journalist, and also because you're former student of my guy and I would like to hope that somehow some of that (laughs) was infused into you (laughs) as you as you made your journey but I was going to ask what do you like more because you're doing podcast hosting you're doing like interviews write-ups you're doing some op-ed stuff like what where do you want to go as a journalist eventually kind of where do you see being like your stronghold your passion even if there is one
2: I grew up, you know, watching a lot of televised news because I wanted to be a newscaster first. Um, So if I could somehow leverage my interview skills and keep taking it, you know, to television or stage or doing all of these sort of, you know, interviews with just not even just artists, but just people in general talking about, you know, their lives and their careers. I think that that's something I would want to do, like Diane Sawyer. Okay. That would be so much fun. So,
1: so you're, so eventually, you're, you're gonna expand beyond like music.
2: I think so. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You'll get it. You'll do it. You'll do
2: it. Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. There's a will, there's a way. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I do it.
0: Absolutely. You're out there making Ryder University proud, making us look good all over MTV and Billboard. And if we ever go back to campus, we'll have to bring you in as a (laughs) guest speaker. (laughs) I (laughs) would
2: love that. I haven't been back to Ryder in like two years. I went to a basketball game and there's new shrubs and buildings. It doesn't even look like my school anymore. Like it's, they did money, some where does this money come from?
1: Oh, you know where it came from. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay.
0: You're probably from still me. paying it back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. From me. Exactly. And from me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would love to bring you back to class sometime. I think you'd be a big inspiration to everyone. I would
2: love that. That'd be so much fun. We'll and make it happen. Like in the long run, it's so cool. I don't, I haven't really like outwardly said this, but I think in the long run, like, when I'm a bit older, I think I want to be like a professor.
0: Oh, you'd be very, great at it. So I cool. think that that
2: would be a, a cool first step for me to just like visit the school and just, whoa, that would be something special. Whoa. Oh, so we'll
0: cool make it happen. Like say it out sure. loud.
2: Like I've always thought about it. And now I'm like, no, I like, I think that's something I would want, love to, to do.
0: Oh, you'd be great at it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for talking with us today. It's been a really good episode.
2: Absolutely. No, no, this was awesome. Thank you for having me. I had a really nice time.
0: All right. So this is Jaina Jefferson. Uh, you can check her out again at com and you can just search for her name and it'll pull up every publication that matters out there in the world. <laughs> So you're sending I'm one of your
1: hosts you're you're sending people to her website. That is some middle-aged stuff though. Yeah, look at that, man. I think you're right. We are
0: middle-aged. I I said dot com.
1: Jaina, do you do you want to plug your socials or anything like that?
2: Um I (laughs) for the people who are (laughs) not
1: gonna go to your website.
2: (laughs) 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 They should though, because I put my website on every page. That's where the good stuff is. It is where the good stuff is. It is is where the good stuff is. But if you're looking for a laugh and Beyonce praise, go to my Twitter at JNA Jefferson and then Instagram, I don't use too much because I don't go outside. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my Twitter, my Instagram is also JNA Jefferson. Awesome, awesome.
1: Well, I don't know, did you have something to share today, Mickey? Or can we just Ooh. use this as a special one? And, and I don't know, your call.
0: I wonder if Jana has anything. So usually at the end, Dave will do a little verse, and I'll read a little clip of something I've written. I wonder if you have anything, anything on hand you'd like to
2: read—a verse or just a random, cl- a random
0: anything that yeah, comes, anything, anything you want anything
1: to that, do that resonates with you, a lyric, someone else's um, literature, your oh. own piece.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, we should have sent you a heads up. Oh, that's
2: so stressful. Now <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> You guys put putting me on spot way too much this episode. I
0: know. Look at that.
2: Um, let me think. Okay. My, well, my favorite lyric of all time is I'm living in the future. So the present is my past. My presence is a present kiss my ass. But that's just because it's fun to say. <laughs> I don't think it has anything. It's like, for me, it's like, oh, it's just like, that's such a Kanye line. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why I love it so much. Because I've loved him for a really long time. It's hard to say today, but yeah, like I huh? love yeah, him yeah. so much. Like, I think that was the first him oh. and yeah, mostly just him. Lupe a little bit, but not as much as Kanye. Hmm. Um, Those like the first two hip hop artists like I found on my own that I was like, I love you both. But yeah, I think that that's like the most Kanye lyric to me. So, <laughs> and I feel like sometimes we're all a little bit Kanye, so. Yeah,
1: yeah somewhere. Somewhere buried, somewhere in. deep
0: down. Let's still it, keep it buried a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, feels the ego, man. It's necessary.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: necessary. So you have something, Mickey?
0: I don't have anything today.
1: Okay. Well, then guess what? Yeah. We don't need anything today. Okay. We'll go out. Yeah, with I, I think
0: out. we can cap it off with that. Yeah,
1: we'll go out with. Jaina's Kanye.
0: <laughs> I like that. So today our guest has been Jaina Jefferson. Jana, we thank you so much for chatting with us today.
2: Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I, I had a great time.
0: I enjoyed it. Uh, we reserved the right
1: to name you our... Um, female cultural correspondent. If we <laughs> Do it. have any, any middle-aged um, man questions that uh, we need <laughs> clarification on, can, can we reach out? Of course.
0: Sure. If you need to know how to talk to your dad about anything, just let us
2: know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I'll keep you on my list of graduates that I'm proudest of. That's a, that's a good list. You're right near the top. Oh,
1: I love it. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Those top spots, you know.
2: I I'm I hold it with pride. Absolutely.
0: All right, well, this was Guest in the House. Woo! I'm Mickey signing off. I am David Shanks signing off. And thanks again to Jaina Jefferson, our guest.
2: Bye-bye. Bye.